You're listening to Japanese with Friends. Brought to you by Risu Press and Japan Switch. All right, welcome to Japanese with Friends, brought to you by Risu Press and Japan Switch. My name is Colton Narabeski, and today we are talking with the owner and、uh, founder of retirejapan.com, Mr. Ben Tanaka.、Uh, he has been running that website. How long have you been doing、uh, Retired Japan, Ben? Um, since 20, that's a good question. I think since 2017. Okay. So okay. a few years now. Yeah, I, I recall looking back at it.、Uh, you know, I was trying to do some planning for、uh, some investing and stuff, and I, I found your resources, and I was like, oh, this is, this is what I wished you know, I'd always had. And so I could have done better planning、uh, before that. But、uh, Me alas, too. I've <laughs> <laughs> left, the,、uh, left the country at this point. Out of curiosity, what,、um, what drove you to start something so niche? You know, it's, it's fairly uncommon to find a foreigner talking about financial planning and、uh, investing and planning for your future in Japan. Right, there was actually kind of a couple of steps.、Mm-hmm. So, the first one was I actually got interested in this stuff. So, I haven't always been a, a good with money or savvy about investing or anything like that.、Um, until around 20, 2008, I lost my job at quite short notice. And that was very traumatic for me and my wife and, and the family. So, I, that, I kind of sat down and said, this, this isn't acceptable. I'm not going to let this happen again. And that was kind of the start of, of learning about money.、Uh, and the reason I started the site was、um, I was talking to a friend of mine who lives in Tokyo, and he was telling me about his retirement plan、uh, that he'd been sold by one of these kind of predatory advisory firms.、Mm-hmm. And I got so angry about it. I went home and, and registered the site that very night and wrote the first blog post. <laughs> and if you look at the first blog post on the site, it's actually about that. About、cool. uh, what not to do、uh, with、what、your money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't bury gold in your front yard. Yeah, don't, don't let someone rip you off, basically. Yeah, no doubt. Do you, I, you know, just out of curiosity, do you find that the, the financial planning industry、uh, is a little bit predatory in Japan or more so, less so perhaps in the UK? I think if you can navigate it in Japanese、uh, and you have a basic understanding of how、uh, advisors are paid、uh, and the incentives for them,、uh, it's perfectly fine. It's just, it's just as regulated as, as anywhere else for Japanese people in Japanese. On top of that, and separate from that, there is a, a group of, of companies that prey on English speakers mainly, taking advantage of the fact that they don't understand Japanese, they don't understand the local conditions,、uh, and you know, a lot of people are not financially savvy. So it's quite easy for someone with a, you know, a suit and a PDF to, to take advantage of you. And that's very much the case in Japan. So if you're looking for stuff in English, Uh, there really isn't. There's, there's one other guy I know of that does、um, kind of coaching style advice,、uh, and then there's Retired Japan. And、Got、that's it. it. And that's why I started Retired Japan, just to give people some information and、uh, give them a chance to, <laughs> to make their own way, basically.、Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's, it's very much, you know, mo- most people who I've talked to are successful in their endeavors. It tends to be that there's some internal pain or trauma that you've. 
experienced and then you create a solution to that and it turns out, oh, you know, 10,000, 50,000 other people also have that same issue. Uh, so it's really nice um, kind of serendipity when you can solve your own issue and then also share that uh, with somebody else. So that's fantastic. Yeah, and it makes it fun as well. Like, yeah, of you course. Know, Japan has never been work for me. It's always been something I've done on the side and, and really enjoyed. So Nice. Nice, nice. You know, out of curiosity, because I'm from Canada, I've got friends from America who live in Japan, uh, obviously you're from the UK. Do you have, do you notice very big differences, uh, perhaps in understandings or assumptions that people have when they're coming into uh, planning for their retirement in Japan? I don't think it's a nationality issue. Uh, it's more a kind of family background issue. Oh, okay. Because I don't think any country really does this well in school yet. Mm, that's we're, make, we're, we're making steps. Like Japan's announced that high school students are going to learn about personal finance uh, in the new oh. course of study, which is okay. really nice. Yeah. Um, I know America and the US have a little bit, but not all that much. And it's, it's not particularly well taught either. The standard thing seems to be let's have a stock picking competition. And whoever picked the stock that performed best is the winner, which is entirely the wrong way to go about investing. Um, but I think, yeah, it's very much family background. You know, did your family invest? Did they talk mm -hmm. to you about investing, about money, about personal finance? And that, that makes a huge difference, obviously. No doubt. I remember like my first, uh, really first week professional capacity in Japan as an employee of Hitachi, I was one of the, the new higher cohorts and they sat us down in a huge hall and with all the onboarding paperwork, one of them was, okay, here's your pension, where do you want it invested? And there was just three pages of, I'm supposed, assuming funds, you know, they were all written in kanji and at that point, uh, I was very new to Japan, my Japanese was not where it needed to be to have that conversation uh, or, or to do the paperwork and, and they were, it was very forceful to everybody like you need to choose in the next 20 minutes so circle your fund where this is going to be invested and get on with your life and i thought what a bizarre way to approach your pension your your personal <laughs> retirement funds so yeah. it's complete you know complete gamble whatever it was you chose was not well educated by any means it's quite funny most of the people i talk to that have one of those company plans uh, it's still in cash mm -hmm. You know, it's several years later that they're paying into it every month uh, and it's all in the cash account because that's the default setting. Yeah. If you don't yeah. choose something else, it just goes into cash. And yeah, pretty much everyone. Because <laughs> it's not. Yeah, the onboarding system is probably not all that great. No, no, it's not. So I'm guessing the people doing the onboarding aren't particularly savvy either, you know. Well, that's kind of it. And to your point, I would hazard a guess that 99% of people worldwide are not very savvy with personal finance planning, the difference between ETFs and mutual funds and stuff like that. Like there's a lot of, you know, if, if, if you don't have an interest in it, you're not going to put in the time and learn about it. Uh, so to your point, retiredjapan.com is, you know, for people like myself who found themselves in a position going, oh man, this, this might be a long-term endeavor here being in Japan. I should really start thinking about the future. Where do I get that information from? Um, you know, do you find that a lot of people are coming to retire Japan with uh, kind of mis personal finance mistakes or things that they've done incorrectly and they're looking to rectify that or are they starting fresh um i think there's, there's obviously different types um one type is kind of you know i've been here a while you know i'm in my 30s 40s i've got a family it looks like i'm gonna stay in japan now is the time to start thinking about money mm -hmm. and that's fine you know they've still got time um they're normally in a, in a reasonable situation income wise that's that's fine another type uh, uh, 
younger people who are like, wow, I've learned about fire, you know, uh, financial independence, retire early, all that kind of thing. Uh, and I really want to learn more about this stuff. Another type, and this is a bit more difficult, is that they're slightly older and they haven't got ready. You know, so they might be in their 50s or even their 60s and they're like, I haven't prepared for the coming retirement. And that's quite, that's quite a tough situation to be in. Yeah, 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 no doubt. Um, you know, so hoping that you don't get into your 50s, 60s with, you know, a, a, hump, a, a chunk of cash in your bank account that's doing nothing for you and you're doing nothing for it. You know, what are the well, that's, that's the good scenario. <laughs> that is the good scenario, I suppose, yeah. The bad well, scenario. The paycheck, the paycheck well into your your 60s precisely yeah yeah um you know if you could give one piece of advice to somebody who's just arrived in japan they're just starting their career they're starting to earn money what what could they do in year one to set themselves sorry set themselves up for success uh later on in their life i think it's just get started yeah that's pretty much what everyone needs to do and of course when you when you start you're probably going to make a mistake or two, you know, you're not going to have the perfect approach right from the start, but that's part of the journey as well. You know, it's it's very much not the case that, you know, on day one, you have to allocate everything and make a, 30, a perfect 30 year plan. Like that's, that's not how the real world works in any way. So, you know, you want to start doing one thing and, you know, see how it goes, see how you feel about it, and then maybe start doing something else and, and you'll get more interested and you'll get more mm -hmm. information. And, and it's very much a, a slow, steady progress. It's very similar to exercise, I think. A lot of things <laughs> you are. Uh, you, you, you've got to just start doing something that's useful. Mm -hmm. and, and from there, hopefully you'll get more motivated and get more momentum. Um, for, sure. for people in Japan, I think it's open, open a brokerage account. Okay. And then start using one of the tax-free accounts that Japan has. So in Japan, we have a, a NISA account, which allows you to invest tax-free. And we have Ideko, which is a kind of private pension plan that you can invest uh, basically for retirement. Got the NISA it. one's more like you can invest and, and you can get your money back anytime. Okay. But that's probably the best place to start. That's the easiest one. Okay. It sounds, you know, at a glance without knowing too much more about it, similar to Canada's tax-free savings account versus our uh, registered saving or registered uh, retirement savings plan, the RRSP. So. Yeah. I mean, basically most countries have something like this. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah. Japan brought them in quite recently. So, oh, really? Yeah. NISA's, NISA came in in 2014, I think. And oh, okay. Ideko was around the same time. So these, these are new oh, wow. things. And that's the problem because lots of Japanese people don't know about them. Mm -hmm. Do you find most Japanese people uh, that you know of, are they actively investing? Are they are they aware of these things and, and putting money aside for the future? Or do they face Pretty the same problems that no, foreigners so face? Think, yeah, so I mean, the, the, I think the first thing is that, you know, most people don't really understand this. Um, and the second thing is that Japan in particular has a, a bit of a prejudice against the stock market. Oh. Okay. And I think I think this is a hangover from the bubble, basically. So in the bubble years, everyone got crazy about stock market investing and lots of people started investing towards the end of the bubble. Mm -hmm. And so when the bubble burst and the stock market crashed, they, they lost a lot of money. And that kind of generational hangover is, is mm -hmm. still here today. So, you know, your grandparents lost money. They told your parents not to touch the stock market because it was dangerous. And then your parents told you. And, and we've got this kind of vague unease 
about investing. Yeah. And you can see it in um, in media as well. So like uh, if you look at comics or you know anime or TV shows, often uh, investing is you know uh, someone who's trying to scam you is using investing to get close and, and kind of take your money kind of thing. And there's lots of storylines like that in in popular media. So yeah, for sure. And I, I, I've even heard of those before too. It's it's very much like the oh we have a we have a special program for people that we're inviting in and they can take part and you know see returns of X Y and Z over the course of three five ten years. And, yeah, type of stuff is is very shady. Doesn't matter which country you're in. If if somebody's giving you a private tip, it's uh, yeah. oftentimes not a tip. Yeah, but even now, more generally, like yeah, it's there's there's a real fear. So yeah. a lot of people who come to retire Japan actually have problems with their partner. Okay, and, you know they're interested in investing, but their ah, partner they're trying to get them on family, board. Yeah, are very conservative about it and worried about starting. Well, the other thing too that I think that kind of factors into it, and I was quite surprised by this, is the the approach to debt in Japan uh, is different, and even the way that credit cards operate is different. So the easiest access that you have to consumer debt uh, is very different than Western countries, where you know you can't. It's very difficult to accrue large amounts of credit card debt per se because it's paid off every month, um, just automatically, unless you choose to do the rotating payments. Uh, so I was quite surprised by that, and I'm also surprised, on the other hand, by folks in North America who oftentimes carry credit card debt uh, month to month, and that's just a normal part of life for them. And uh, you know, so kind of the the two polar ends of the extreme, where carrying debt versus debt is unimaginable, or consumer debt for a credit card at least is unimaginable. You know, it probably sets you up much better for success living in Japan, being that it's much tougher to accrue that type of consumer debt at a high percentage. Yeah, I think that's very positive. Like you, you yeah. have to deliberately go out to get credit card debt, and even so, it's not, you know, it's not in, infinitely available. There's a, exactly. a payment schedule, right? So yeah. the vast majority of people don't have rotating payment uh, yeah. interest accruing debt on credit cards. So yeah, I think Japan is much healthier in that way. Um, but the flip side is there's, there's a real predatory loan kind of underbelly of Japan as well. You know, the kind I've of loan those, shark types. Seen those so. signs up, yeah. Yeah, so there's, there's pluses and minuses. But on the whole, I think Japan's got a healthier approach to, to money. Um, yeah. The problem is that, you know, although they don't have debt and they often have cash savings here in Japan, they're not actually investing it and they're not, you know, that money's not working for them. Yeah. Um, and that's well, there's, why they're government been a, bringing yeah. this stuff in. There's been a huge push, like in North America and, and Western European countries, especially for these kind of like discount brokerages and especially through applications on your phone like Robinhood, eToro, I, I can't remember the European ones like 525 or something like that, where, you know, for pennies on the dollar, you can easily make trades back and forth, you could day trade, you can make uh, long term investments, recurring investments, all sorts of things. And that's really democratized the access, I think, to uh, brokerage services. Are you seeing that in Japan? Is that a thing right now? Not to the same extent. So we have we haven't got the no fee brokers like Robinhood, where you know they're making money on the back end, not on the, yeah. the customers. So um, we have seen robo advisors come in. Mm -hmm. Like uh, if you watch TV in Japan now, you'll often see uh, adverts for this this robo advisor called Wealth Navi, uh, and oh, they're okay. a typical robo advisor where you know they they invest your money for you automatically using an algorithm. Mm -hmm. uh, in a in a wide range of ETFs, and you pay a certain fee. Now the problem in Japan is that those fees are quite high. 
So, you know, in, in Europe or the US, a robo-advisor might take uh, 0.25 or 0.3%. Mm -hmm. In Japan, it's more like 1%. So it, oh, it's okay. considerably higher. Yeah, that's actually quite similar to Canada situation with oh, robo-advisors. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, also in, in the US, I think robo-advisors do uh, tax loss harvesting. Uh, so yeah. they, they buy and sell and, and try and offset your taxes. I don't think that's possible in Japan. They're not allowed to do that. So right, it makes it less attractive. Got it. Yeah, you know, I'd be interested to see like what the, the future generations of, let's say, new hire cohorts at some of the large companies, what their reaction is to that, uh, you know, three pages of paper with the mutual funds laid out that they can invest in and, uh, you know, they know that they could take their own cash savings and put it in the robo-advisor and, and manage their own pension. It's it's kind of this fight between the company and the government managing your retirement investment accounts versus yourself. And uh, you've certainly seen, right? I've certainly seen a trend towards more self-managed activities uh, outside of Japan. So I, I'd be curious to see what it looks like in five, 10 years uh, within Japan, given all these new kind of developments. Yeah, I mean, the, there's a lot of um, activity on YouTube now. Yes, you know, my so wife watches a lot of this. Who, uh, yes. you know, getting into investment, getting into personal finance, talking about it. Comedians, uh, very popular people. Who, it seems who to be, yeah, very open. And like, it's, it's a topic of conversation. It's not something that's uh, hidden behind closed doors at this point. So I think for the younger generation, the, the, you know, people in their 20s and 30s now, uh, the attitudes seem to be changing, where people are getting more interested in money and, and getting better at, at managing it. For sure. Sure, for sure. A um, couple of brass tax questions, like you know, as a foreigner who's investing in Japan, obviously taxes are typically paid at some point. Whether it's you know before you invest and, and you're investing after tax dollars, or you invest and then you're taxed on withdrawals and stuff. How does that work for the investment accounts in Japan when you're you know a non-citizen, let's say? Okay. Uh, well, the good news is that there's no difference between a, a Japanese citizen and a non-citizen in terms okay. of tax treatment or regulations. Um, most of the accounts, you just have to be a resident. So as okay. long as you're a resident in Japan, you, you have the right to open accounts and use them and so on. Um, Ideco, which is the kind of private pension type one, that requires you to be paying into the pension, Nenkin, um, which is actually a legal requirement for everyone. But you know, some people kind of skirt that somehow so they can't use either code to save on their taxes but everyone else can got it um taxes in japan are pretty simple so there's mm -hmm. there's not this convoluted tax code with lots of loopholes that <laughs> some countries have um basically capital gains tax and tax on dividends is 20 percent. oh okay that's it's a nice flat rate sense. it doesn't matter if it's short term or long term um, you just pay 20% when you sell your stuff and make a capital gain. The exception to that is cryptocurrency, which is taxed as income, mm -hmm. which makes it incredibly expensive to have a, oh, no doubt. a large crypto sale. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's probably going to evolve in the future as more people get into it. Um, oh, yeah. And of course, if you use a NISA account, then anything you invest is tax free. So you're not paying tax on that. Cool. And those are after-tax dollars that you would be investing though, correct? That's yeah. right. Yeah. Ideco okay. is pre-tax dollars and NISA is after-tax dollars. Got or it. yen, as it were. For sure. <clears throat> Very interesting. Um, okay. So, you know, if I'm a, let's say, 25 to 26-year-old uh, person, I'm getting into my career in Japan and I'm thinking, okay, this is it. I'm going to settle down here. I'm looking to 40 years out. What, uh, 
what amount of net worth am I aiming for for a comfortable uh, retire- retirement, would you say? Right. Obviously, that is <laughs> that's I think that's basically impossible to answer, um, but we can make some we can make some guesses, can't we? Um, one thing is that the government's figures, um, they released a, a very controversial report recently, about a couple okay. of years ago, where they said someone who's receiving a full nenkin, you know, they, they've worked for 40 years, paid into yep. the Japanese pension, uh, they're receiving that. They also need about 30 million yen okay. um, to maintain an average kind of uh, lifestyle in retirement. So you've paid into the pension in full, which is very difficult for a lot of foreign people, especially if they're coming yeah. a bit later in their career. Yeah. Um, you also need 30 million yen, which is what, like $300,000. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, if, if you start in your 20s, that's not actually all that difficult to acquire. But if you're in your 50s, that becomes a lot more kind of stressful, I think. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I think for most people, you kind of want enough and enough is going to be wildly different based on, you know, your lifestyle, your situation, uh, you know, your family, uh, where you live. Like if you want to live in Tokyo, it's a little bit more expensive than trying to live in Nagano, for example. That's very true. Yeah. So I think it's it's a very personal thing. And again, this ties into, you know, get started and, and make adjustments along the way. Because, you know, as you get older, your, your, your spending is going to change as well. You know, and you can see that, monitor that, see, okay, what's my yearly spend like and how does that compare to my assets, right? Yeah, for and sure. How long are my assets going to fund that kind of spending? And you can for kind sure, of for sure. look at them and, and see how that works. And it's, it's tough, you know, especially when you're younger to forecast what that looks like. Because I remember in my university days, I could live off, you know, say... 550,000 yen a month, <laughs> you know, pretty easily for food, um, if not less. And, and now with the family, it's significantly more, but then in the future, it's probably going to go down again. So it's there's the ups and downs of, of life and lifestyle and everything that factors into that. Plus, you know, Japan is not a particularly inflationary society. So like the, the price of things has not increased the same way that it would with your kind of background knowledge of where you come from in many cases. Um, so that's that's another factor as well. Like things that cost 100 yen eight years ago, kind of for the most part, still cost 100 yen in many cases. Yeah, it's it's bizarre actually. I've been here 21 years, so yeah, I, yeah like you say, like the prices haven't really changed. But if I go to the UK, you know, the prices have kind of doubled or tripled. <laughs> oh yeah, like, oh god, it's so expensive here. You know, you go yeah. to Australia and you're like, I can't afford to be here for more than four or five days kind of thing oh no doubt um <laughs> so yeah japan is is gone from when i came it was it was expensive and everyone was like "Ooh, japan how could you possibly afford to live there and now it's actually relatively cheap compared yeah. to you know the us or, or europe or, or yeah yeah very so, interesting i don't know if that's going to continue um you know we, we can't assume that things that have happened in the past will continue sure. to happen but yeah yeah, if it does continue, it's going to make things a lot easier. You don't really have to account for inflation when you're thinking about the future. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and I guess, you know, kind of final brass tax question as a foreigner, uh, considering your Nanking, you know, you've got the national Nanking or you've got a company sponsored Nanking, uh, Nanking being your pension. 
Um, what are some things that you think people ought to know uh, coming into Japan as, a, as an employee about their pension options? Okay, well, the first thing is that you have to pay your pension. <laughs> <There's still laughs> Actually, I know a number of people who don't. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and, and, and they pay for it years later in the worst type of way. Information as well, where some companies will even say to people, hey, you don't have to pay pension because they don't want to pay the match, right? Yeah. They don't want to pay the company match. So firstly, yeah, you need to pay pension, whether it's through your company or as, a, as an individual. Um, and pension currently is, is based on a 40-year payment period. So that, that's to get a full pension, you need 40 years of payment. So you want to start as soon as possible. The other thing is um, there's the myth that, you know, I think most countries have this floating around where, you know, oh, the pension's going to run out of money and we're not going to get our pensions and so on. I think there's a very, very low chance of that happening. I think it's, it's, it's almost insignificant. As, as a risk in terms of, <clears throat> I mean, in Japan's case, the Japanese pension fund is one of the largest pension funds in the world. It, it is, mm -hmm. is, is enormous. Uh, plus, the, it, just politically, I cannot imagine a government not paying pension. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, there's gotta be yeah, other sacrifices before the pension. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the first thing. And I guess the second thing is that the, the pension is not enough. Right. The pension will ensure that you don't starve, for example. You can buy, you know, the minimal amount of food and, and live in, a, in a, a very cheap place. If you want to have a more normal lifestyle, then you obviously have to make your own provisions, which include, you know, investing, saving uh, and thinking about what kind of lifestyle you want. So I think that's it, really. I mean, don't depend on the government, basically. Yeah. You know, you'll get your government pension and that'll be a nice little bonus, but you should be in a position where you don't need it. Yeah, for sure. You know? And then you have freedom and, and stability and, and so on. Got it. So nice thing about getting ready for, for retirement and saving and investing is it also helps you with problems that crop up along the way. This is true. You, know, you get ill, you have an accident, there's a family emergency stuff. You need cash and, and if you've been thinking about your finances and, and making adjustments, then these things are much easier to deal with. Absolutely. Or, you know, conversely, you walk past that Nissan GTR in the dealership window every day on your way to work, and it's just burning a hole in your <laughs> your soul. You need to pay down. You need to get that. So, yeah, it, uh, it gives you freedom of choice in the future, which is nice. You know, everybody has this kind of vision of, of living a cushy retirement, being comfortable and doing the things that they wanted to during their working years. So, you know, it's it like you said, it's exercise. You need to put in the effort up front to ensure that you can reap the benefits of that later on in life. The nice thing is you don't have to wait for the benefits either. You know, if you start getting your finances in, in order, um, before too long, you find that, you know, you've got, you know, you've got a few months worth of uh, expenses in the bank. You've got a couple of years worth of expenses in the bank. You can start thinking about maybe getting a different job. You know, doing something that you find more interesting or more exciting. Um, so it's it's not, you know, you have to wait until you're 70 to get the cake. You know, you get bits of cake along the way as well. So there you go. These are all positive changes. <laughs> For me, at the end of the day, it's not really about money. It's about self-actualization. It's about removing money from the equation. 
right? If you can stop thinking about money, yeah, yeah, this that's actually the one of the first books I read. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I just your it's just happened to be sitting on my desk, not you know, not uh, withstanding this conversation, but it's called Your Money or Your Life by Vicky Robin uh, and Joe Dominguez, and it's uh, it's a great book, and it talks about the value of your time being turned into dollars that you then you know waste on widgets and knickknacks and and whatever and really every time you open your wallet thinking about okay this is my time that is going into this purchase and understanding the value of your time and understanding the value of the things that you choose to purchase it's not saying don't purchase them but understand every time you buy a little toy for yourself that costs you or it did cost you you know an hour two hours three hours of your time is it worth it and just being aware of that conversation constantly in the back of your head is a really healthy way to approach well in my mind it's a really healthy way to approach uh, personal finance yeah, absolutely. It's cost-benefit analysis on an understandable level, on a personal for sure. level. For sure, for sure. Um. <clears throat> well, awesome. I don't want to take up too, too much of your time, but I do have a quick uh, speed round. We've got four questions for you. Uh, your opinion, whether these things are overrated or underrated, and speaking from the perspective of a long-term resident in Japan. All right? Excellent. Bring it on. Cool. Uh, first question, overrated or underrated, investing in your 20s. I think it's underrated. I think starting to invest in your 20s is probably the best thing you can do, provided you don't get too spooked by it. Fair. Because, you know, you don't have much money. So if you make a mistake, it doesn't really matter. You know, um, you've got plenty of time to recover. Uh, and the, the lessons you learn by investing in your 20s are going to pay off when you're investing in your 30s and your 40s and your 50s. When you've got much more money and you really don't want to be making mistakes then. So yeah, absolutely. You should have started investing in your teens if you can. You know, if you've got a supportive family that can get you started, wonderful. And then you've got six decades of compounding, right? You can do the Warren Buffett thing. For sure. He made most of his money in his after his seventies, right? Because of compounding and, and growth. So. Yeah, what a fiend. <laughs> um, all right, tax advantaged accounts in Japan, overrated, underrated. Very much. Um, they're underrated because most people don't know about them and don't use them and, and aren't excited about the possibilities. Um, they are a bit limited. I think Japan had a real kind of turf war between the tax agency and the pensions agency. And the tax agency didn't want to give up too much in taxes. And the pensions agency wants people to support their, their retirement. Uh, and they, they ended up with this compromise. So tax advantage accounts, they're great. They're a bit limited. They're a bit complicated they're a bit difficult to understand unfortunately okay. but if you come to retire japan we can tell you all about them. there you go <laughs> <laughs> all right uh financial advisors um i think overrated um the, there's there's a there's a etymology of of financial advisors the different types um so there's financial advisors that work for other people Right, they work for a bank or they work for uh, an insurance company. They're not helping you. <laughs> They're helping their employer, right? So you don't really want to trust them too much. I mean, they, you can get information from them, but don't. You can't trust their advice. And then you've got financial advisors who are free. They will help you, and and you don't have to pay. And and you have to be very, very suspicious of this. Yeah, because like they're making money they're... somewhere. I just don't know where Ben Tanaka is raking it in, but he's giving all this great advice. <laughs> well, actually, that that's that's the beauty of kind of crowdfunding it. Of course, yeah. 
you know if you go to a, a, an online forum where everyone's anonymous and no one's really going to make any money off it that's the place to to get good advice i think but if you have an advisor who works in an office uh, and they say yeah you don't have to pay anything you really need alarm bells there you go well how are you getting paid right where's the where's the where's the commission coming from mm -hmm. and, and how much is it costing me because it is yeah. nothing um, nothing in office walls is free unfortunately it's no way uh and then you've got financial advisors that you pay and this is the best type, right? They're on retainer, you pay them for an hour, they give you an hour's worth of advice, right? Unfortunately, um, you need to know a little bit in order to tell if they're giving you good advice or not, <laughs> right? You can't walk in there and, and be like, I know nothing, you know, tell me what to do. So whatever happens, I think you have to kind of manage your own financial life to a yeah, certain Nobody extent. else is going to be responsible for you, so. No one else cares. It's true. It's about You're going to go home and way you have dinner with your wife and <laughs> go to sleep at night and not think another thought about you. So, Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I think overrated. Cool. Uh, final overrated, underrated. Uh, actually, this is slightly, it's not overrated, underrated, but would you choose or would you recommend somebody uh, Bitcoin investment or yen managed by their robo-advisor? Uh... I Being, would, you know, and it's tough because there's been massive gains in cryptocurrency over the past, like between 2017 to today is multiple thousands of percent. I always say that um, you really need to understand what you're investing in, mm -hmm. right? It's important for you to understand why you made the investment, understand what the basis of it is, the kind of reason you invested. and. I've done a lot of reading about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, and I think I probably understand it better than most people. And I have no idea why it should have any value. <laughs> now, I think the protocol's great. I think the, the, the blockchain is going to change how the internet works, how contracts work, how ownership works. But I don't see why any particular cryptocurrency should have intrinsic value. Right, you might as well say that you know these rolls of tape have value, and because they are these rolls of tape, I can sell them for what. It doesn't make sense. So I think the, I think to to advise someone to to invest in Bitcoin is not something I'd be comfortable doing. I mean, yeah, do it on the side as a hobby. You know, take five percent of your your cash or ten percent of your cash, and you know, play with Bitcoin. And, you know, you will probably make money. I've been wrong about this for five years. <laughs> so don't listen to me. But I really I think, you know, uh, it makes more sense to to invest in things that are concrete. You know, if you invest in the stock market, this is not a random investment. You are buying pieces of companies, companies that are innovating and producing value. Uh, and paying dividends and yeah i would it's true you know even those two yeah. choices yeah that's what that's definitely the the line of you know direct value between a, a yen or 100 yen going into apple stock versus cardano i can see the apple stock value proposition much more clearly yeah i mean and you, you might well make more money with cardano but <laughs> I think as as a, as advice uh, as and trying to be responsible for people like yeah if you're in your twenties and you want to play with cryptocurrencies again this is great you know do it 
you know it's just that when yeah. you as you get older and and you probably want to diversify that a little bit for sure yeah for sure don't don't bet the farm on any one thing and i think that's kind of the underlying advice that uh, you hear worldwide about any type of investment is be diversified you know take your risks uh across it just the board makes you more resilient yeah yeah, yeah for sure well, cool. Listen, I have probably five hours worth of conversation we could continue having, but I am going to let you go. And uh, for those of you who are interested in learning more about personal finance and retirement planning in Japan, uh, the website is very easy to get to, retirejapan.com. Uh, you will get all the information you need uh, from Mr. Ben Tanaka, and you can sign up for his newsletter and get ongoing advice in your inbox. So go check it out. Um, listen, Ben, thank you so much for your time today. We have had a blast having you on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot.